I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 181 in which I get reorganized and I'm recording this on Sunday, April 19th, 2015. It's been a couple of weeks since my last episode because I've been out of town and I'll be talking about that in a minute. I want to start out by saying thank you to listening. Uh, thank you to listening. Thank you to listeners. Thank you for all of you who are listening. Um, apparently, I haven't gotten my brain entirely reorganized yet. Um, I'm still a bit in recovery, I think, from my last couple of weeks. So anyway, thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for those of you who have been around for a long time. And thank you for those of you who have just found me in recent weeks. I've been hearing from um, several of you, new listeners, who are inexplicably starting at the beginning and working your way forward. Um, hope you make it. Thanks for being game to try it anyway. I really appreciate it. Um, typically I start with announcements. I have none, so we can move on. I have a bit of a Sandy update, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I've been doing to get myself reorganized, because it's quite possible you may be feeling some of the same pinch I was that kind of got me spurred. Um, my update is going to be pretty short, because I've really gotten almost no actual sewing quilting stuff done the last couple of weeks. I did bring my Sue Spargo embroidery project with me while I was traveling, but I never got to it. Um, I also brought it this weekend again when I was out of town with my husband, never got to it. I also didn't watch any craftsy classes either. The, the last week, so my last episode that I recorded was um, almost two weeks ago tomorrow. I think it was on a Monday, if I recall, because I had the day off, I think is how it all worked. Um, the rest of that week, of course, I was working. I was out several of those evenings, so I didn't get much done then. Uh, then I left Saturday to drive partway to my work, um, my work engagement. It was, I was supposed to be in Vermont, New Hampshire, which for us in our denomination, women's ministries is a single region. Vermont, New Hampshire is one group of women. Um, and so they had invited me to come do a series of speaking engagements there, and I was there from Sunday through Wednesday night. But in order to get to the first speaking engagement, which was scheduled for Sunday afternoon, it made the most sense for me to take the northern route <laughs> to Vermont. There's, there's basically, well, there's three ways you can easily get to Vermont. One is the northern route where you're kind of skirting along the border of Canada for most of it. You can, of course, pop up into Canada if you want, but since I had no passport with me, it was easier for me to just stay just a hair south of the border. Um, you can also go the southern route, which takes you down through Albany and kind of up through um, the corner of Vermont that way. Or you can take sort of a middle of the road uh, route, which, well, you're kind of going through the same part of New York that you would go through to take the southern route, but then you go partway up and you can take a ferry across into Burlington, Vermont. Um, so that's all a very long explanation in case any of you are ever driving from Western New York to Vermont, just so you know. In any case, um, my daughter's college is on that northernmost route. I would pretty much have to drive right by her, so I decided to take that route because the first town I needed to be in in Vermont was very much northern Vermont, so it just made sense for me to go that way. So 
I left on Saturday and spent the night at a hotel right near her college and she went out to dinner with me and then bunked in with me in my hotel room and then we went to a diner Sunday morning, found a great new diner. We always, we have our favorite diner that we always go to near her school, but that diner is on our way back home from her school and I was heading in the other direction and it's a good 20 minute drive, well, 10 to 15 minutes to get to that other diner that we normally go to and I didn't want to add that much time onto my trip to Vermont. So she did some Googling and she found a great little diner right in the town of Potsdam, which we had never been to before. And we really, we had a very good breakfast. So now, unfortunately, a month before she graduates, now we have two diners to choose from. Um, in any case, so I then made the rest of the drive um, Sunday and got to uh, the speaking engagement um, well, thanks to Google Maps, I thought I was going to get there almost an hour before I was supposed to do my first speaking, and I ended up getting there about 15 minutes before I was supposed to do my first, because Google Maps got a little confused up there in northern Vermont and sent me, it, I don't think it sent me to the wrong town, I think it just stopped me an hour before I was supposed to stop, because um, I wasn't really out of my way, just hadn't gotten as far as I needed to go. Um, but easily fixed and found my way along. And it was a beautiful drive, gorgeous weather, absolutely gorgeous weather. And that's just, you know, northern New York through Vermont, you're in mountains kind of almost that whole way, although northern New York, I was just a hair north of the Adirondacks. Um, but it, it's just really pretty area to drive through. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I love driving. Um, so anyway, I had one speaking engagement Sunday afternoon and then followed uh, the woman who's my host. She's the, the um, president of Vermont, New Hampshire um, women and followed her back to her house, spent the night at her house. We left and then I left my car there for the rest of the week. And then she just drove me around, left them early the next morning, had two engagements on Monday, two on Tuesday and two on Wednesday. <laughs> and each of them, we were driving a minimum of an hour and a half between generally two to three hours in between. We were just crisscrossing back and forth Vermont, New Hampshire. Um, and so we weren't getting into, I stayed at her house Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, we stayed at a hotel. And then Wednesday night, we got back to her house at like 9.15. I picked up my car and then I drove to Bennington, Vermont, which is kind of right on the corner of Vermont and New York State. Um, just so I could get a little bit of my home-going trip underfoot, but not a lot because it was, you know, 9.30 at night. I'm driving through the mountains. It's dark. <laughs> I didn't want to have to go too far. So I had made myself a, a hotel reservation in Bennington. Um, so needless to say, I got no embroidery done because Saturday night, you know, I'm with my daughter. We're chatting. I didn't end up, um, we got back to the hotel room um, after dinner, probably around 9.30 and I was beat and she was beat. So we both just kind of went straight to bed. And then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I wasn't getting in until 10 o'clock at night, any night um, we were there and was just fried. <laughs> so it was just going to bed as soon as I got. So nothing got done. Um, Thursday, I decided to uh, give myself a slow morning because it was only gonna take me about five hours to get home from there and I had nothing really on my schedule for Thursday that I had to get back at a certain time. I just kind of, you know, I wanted to be home by dinner time or late. I didn't want to be real late. Um, so I decided I was just going to take, have a real low key morning on Thursday. Well, during the week I had been tweeting back and forth with, um, Carol, uh, 
aka Quiltscapes. Uh, she lives in Vermont, and we had been kind of tweeting back and forth. In one case, I had, I think I had actually asked her um, some advice about the trip, how I was going to get through this one part. Um, but then, you know, she was just, so how's it going? And we had gorgeous weather that week. It actually got up to 75 degrees one day. So we were tweeting back and forth about that. She was telling, sending me dog butt pictures because she was out with her dogs again. Um, and so Thursday morning, uh, she tweets me and she said, well, I know you're going home. I had mentioned to her, I guess, that I was staying in Bennington. She said, well, I know you're going home. It's too bad you're not going to have time because the um, original Dear Jane quilt, the Jane Sickle quilt, is in a museum about 10 minutes from where you are. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I've got a slow morning. I can go to a museum. And I also thought, what a perfect introvert recovery. I mean, here I've been doing nothing but talking for four days straight. And I just wanted to not talk for a while. In fact, when I drove from picking up my car Wednesday night to the hotel, an hour, it was like an hour and 15 minutes or so, um, not a sound. I did not have the radio on. I didn't have podcasts on, nothing. I just, I was just, you know, enjoying the quiet. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I had a very good time, a very good week, uh, really enjoyed the woman I was staying with. But, you know, I'm an introvert. I just needed my recovery time. And so... Um, I did go to the museum. I found it. It was maybe five minutes from my hotel. And unfortunately, it's not Jane season. They only have the, the Dear Jane quilt out for about a month a year. Um, I think it's from August through Labor Day or something like that. Uh, so she wasn't out. I wasn't able to see Jane. Uh, but they did have a really nice Grandma Moses exhibit. If you um, don't know Grandma Moses, she was a very famous um, kind of primitive folk art type painter in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and she actually lived, She well, she was actually a New Yorker, but um, she had a lot of relationship to Vermont because she lived right on the border there. <laughs> she was like five miles from Vermont into New York State, and her, I think it was her daughter, lived in Bennington, Vermont, the town I was in where this museum is. Um, so she actually did a lot of her painting in Bennington, and so the Bennington Museum has the, the biggest collection of Grandma Moses artwork all in one place. Um, and it was, it was really charming. You know, it's interesting. You look at the Grandma Moses paintings, um, and she technically she wasn't a great painter. <laughs> you know, I look at them like, uh, you know, some aspects of her painting, I'm like, I, I think I could probably do that. But she really did have a really excellent eye for color. When you look at the detail of her grasses and her, her hills in the background and her trees and, and everything, she really... Um, there's a lot of colors going in there that you don't notice when you first look. You got to, you know, get right up nose to the painting, really, and see what she's doing. Um, and there's just a lot of charm to it. I was saying to my husband later, there was in the same museum, um, in a, a different part of the museum, they had two or three paintings by another painter. I can't remember his name now. But a similar style and the same time period and same area, you know, all Vermont, New York. And a very similar kind of backstory to Grandma Moses, although he was younger. Uh, Grandma Moses didn't start painting. That's why she's known as Grandma Moses. She didn't actually start painting until she was something like 60 or 70 years old. She painted when she got too old to be working on the farm <laughs> all the time is basically what it came down to. Um, this other painter, I think, was younger at the time, but again, painted same basic paintings, same basic topic, subject matter, same style, same time period. And yet his paintings, even though they were technically more proficient, um, 
they just weren't nearly as charming. And I, it was hard for me to kind of put my finger on what the difference was between the two, but there really is something about the Grandma Moses paintings that just really draws you in and just puts a smile on your face. They're, they're just very <laughs> charming is the only word I can come up with for it. Uh, so I really enjoyed seeing the Grandma Moses exhibit. And the rest of the museum was quite nice. You know, it's a smaller um, museum. It had the Grandma Moses wing. It had a couple of exhibits in the center. And then um, the upstairs had another section with uh, more uh, artifacts, you know, a lot of antiques and toys and um, agricultural tools and a lot of sewing implements, which I took pictures of because they had these little bitty sewing machines that were just barely bigger than your hand that actually did sew. They didn't have a bobbin, so I'm not entirely sure how they worked. And and it did say in one of the notes that um, they weren't, they didn't really stick. <laughs> you know, the other sewing machines replaced them pretty quickly because without a, a bottom stitch, I guess they did a chain stitch, which if the th thread broke, if you made clothes with it and the thread broke in one place, the whole thing would just come unraveled without that bobbin thread. Um, so they, they weren't, I think they weren't used for very, very long. <laughs> but in any case, um, they were kind of cute. Uh, but it, so it was a nice museum, even though it was a smaller kind of a regional museum, very nice. So if you happen to find yourself in that corner of Vermont, the lower right, lower left-hand corner, if, as you're looking at the map, um, I would definitely check it out. Uh, but in any case, the, the Grandma Moses exhibit was quite nice. So thank you very much, Quiltscapes Carol, for um, cueing me in on going to that museum. So I did, I spent a couple of hours there, almost a couple of hours in the museum. Um, and it was nice because being there on a Thursday morning, you know, there were maybe three or four other guests in the museum at the same time I was. So I really was just kind of on my own, except for the um, older man who was the security guard who was trying to cover, you know, the whole museum. Um, and so he kept kind of following me around, but that was okay. <laughs> I just smiled at him once or twice, didn't ever talk to him because, you know, I wasn't talking to anybody. Uh, and then the other thing I did when I was still there that morning was um, when I had been coming through town the night before in order to find the hotel where I'd made my reservation, my route took me right down the main street of Bennington, which I think is actually called Main Street in Bennington. And um, as I was driving down, now mind you, it's dark. And by the way, when it's dark in Vermont, it's dark. <laughs> it's like really, really, really dark. There isn't a whole lot of light pollution, partly because most of the towns are fairly small, but also because the mountains keep any lights from neighboring towns really from shining. So really all you're seeing is the lights of the town you happen to be in. And at nine o'clock on a Wednesday night or 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night, most people weren't on the streets. <laughs> there were very few people around. So it was pretty deserted and pretty dark. And so I'm driving through Main Street, Bennington, and um, as I'm pulling up to, you know, one of the few stoplights, I catch a glimpse out of my driver's side window of a window, a store window that, boy, I could swear it said something about quilts on that window. <laughs> And, and now, of course, I'm trying to pull forward from the light as it turns green, and I'm still trying to look back over my <laughs> shoulder to see if I can read that sign. So um, the, the next morning when I woke up, I did a little Googling, and I found the name of a quilt shop, but I couldn't tell if it was the one I'd driven by or if it was out of town because I, I just couldn't read the map correctly for where I'd been because, you know, it was 10 o'clock at night and I was beat, so I had no idea where I was. Um, but after I went to the museum, as I was driving back down through, I decided, well, I'll just make one pass through Main Street, and if I don't see it, then I'll just head home. Well, I did, I found it, and yes, it was right on Main Street, and it was a, a combination 
quilt fabric and um, yarn shop. And so I stopped in, it was very, very small. Um, but as it turned out, the woman who was working there um, had a connection to one of the churches where I had just done my speaking engagement a couple of days earlier, because I had been in Bennington earlier that week for one of my speaking engagements. And um, so we actually spent probably maybe 10 minutes or so chatting um, about some issues that I had been told about while I was in Vermont and New Hampshire, both um, concerns about substance abuse, particularly with young adults and lots of issues with poverty and, and that kind of thing. And so I was just kind of chatting with her about her perspective on what was going on. And it was a really good conversation. Um, and, so, you know, I, I broke my usual introvert rule of not talking to anybody. I was like, no, you know, this is a nice conversation. We had a good little chat. Um, and I did buy a little bit of uh, just a, not a full jelly roll, like a, you know, one of those half, um, it's not even a honey bun because it's packaged differently. Um, jewels, the Batik Jewels package. Uh, but it was, I already owned this package of Batik Jewels and I had kind of thought about doing something with it, but I knew I'd need the second package to do what I wanted to do. And so I'd kind of decided, well, if I happen to see, you know, a, a second package, I'll get it. If not, then I, I just bagged the idea of doing this thing. And um, yep, sure enough, there it was <laughs> sitting right there, which actually was not as um, obvious a, a happenstance as you might think, because it's a slightly older package of um, this particular line. Um, so it, I've decided seeing it there, yeah, really kind of meant to be. So <laughs> I bought that, that little pack of uh, two and a half inch strips. So anyway, that was, it was a nice Thursday morning and I was on the road then just about noon, I think that I, I started driving home. Um, and the first probably 20, 25 miles of the trip are still those same kind of, you're on a, you know, a, an interstate route, but it's by no means an expressway. So it was still kind of slow and tootling through the countryside, but it was very pretty and I enjoyed it. You know, I was into just sort of quiet driving. At that point, I, I was um, listening to an audiobook, which I'll be talking about in a minute, um, but it, it was very relaxing. And that's actually why I really enjoy driving to work events like that for me. Um, particularly driving alone. I don't particularly like driving with other people. <laughs> if I can avoid it, I just want to drive alone because it gives me that recovery time on the way home before I get home so that by the time I get home, I'm human again and I can be a happy wife and mother <laughs> and not be like, I'm crabby, don't talk to me. I need to just <laughs> be alone for several days on end. Um, you know, there's still a little element of that, but I've gotten over the worst of it. Uh, so I had just a very nice drive and it was gorgeous weather all, almost all the way home. And I was thinking, well, maybe, you know, I'll get home probably around four or five o'clock. Maybe I'll take Sammy out for a walk on the canal when I get home. Nope, pouring rain by the time I got home, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> it was really pretty beat by the time I walked in my front door anyway. Uh, so I just sat out, well, it wasn't pouring rain. It was kind of spitting on and off. And by the time I had unloaded my car, it had stopped raining. So I uh, just sat outside on the patio for about half an hour and let the dogs sniff around. Um, so no walking, but, you know, some relaxing time and letting them remember that, yes, mom does exist and she's home. She will not abandon you. Uh, so that was kind of my, my trip and why I didn't get any, you know, actual embroidery or anything done. Um, I had Friday off. I spent most of Friday just kind of doing some reorganizational kind of thing. And again, I'll be talking about that in a minute. I did work a little bit on the craftsy bag. <laughs> A little bit. I got one side of one vinyl pocket 
sewn. Well, I can't even say that. I got the vinyl itself sewn because you you fold the vinyl up to create uh, gussets in it, and then you're supposed to seam, sew seams down both sides to hold the gussets in place, and then you sew it onto the fabric um, pocket page. You know, make an actual pocket page out of it. Well, I got one. I got one of the vinyl things um, folded up, and I got one side of it sewn, and I had to give it up because, oh, lordy. Well. First of all, it took me a while to even get to the point of sewing because, you know, you have to print out the template. You've got to make sure the template is printed to the correct size, which it does not print to the correct size, but at least I got it the length, which was the important one. It didn't print to the correct width, but that's all right. I could I could work with that because you're just clipping it. You're not having to trace around it. Um, you, you then take this template, you cut it out, and you glue it to a piece of um, like a foam core or a card, card, corrugated cardboard or something to kind of hold it stiffer. And then you use that. It's a, it's a template to help you figure out where to put the folds in for the vinyl to gusset it correctly so that it still ends up the same width. I mean, it's, it's a really smart idea on her part because if she had tried to just, you know, show, okay, well, measure over this much, then fold it this way, and then measure over this much, fold it the other way, and then fold it back on itself, it would have been impossible. Whereas she has this template that makes it a lot easier to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and it's not that hard to do it. Once the first time I did it, it ended up too short. And so I had to go back and refold it. But I realized, you know, it's one of these things, if you fold it even an eighth of an inch or a 16th of an inch too much, you're not going to have it long enough. You really have to get it. Um, you fold it actually a little bit shy of what her template printed out on my printer. Um, to get it the right length but then you clip it all up with wonder clips to hold the gussets in there and then you fold you sew it without the template under it just the straight vinyl down both sides to hold the gussets in well by the time i had done all that and got my first one folded up and ready to sew it was already like an hour <laughs> into this and i didn't have a lot of time in the afternoon so i'd already spent about an hour on this thing got to the point of sewing that seam on that vinyl and my thread broke no less than five times on a single seam. And this seam is maybe, I'm looking at it now, maybe about eight, eight inches long. We're not talking a real long seam, but it's because it's going through vinyl. And, you know, I'm using my Aurofil thread, which normally doesn't break on anything. My, my Aurofil thread so rarely breaks. That's part of why I really like it. Well, this vinyl was just shredding the hay out of the thread. And she doesn't talk about that in, in the class at all. She talks about the tricks she talks about sewing with on vinyl have to do with static, not your thread or the needle or anything like that. And I even looked in the class comments because a lot of times in the class discussion, somebody else will have had the same problem and somebody else suggested, well, there was no comment commentary about that. So I finally, I went on YouTube or I, I went on, uh, I Googled, you know, thread breaking vinyl or something like that and came up with like four different blogs that immediately all said, oh, in order to sew on vinyl, you really need a leather needle. Uh, you know, one of the sewing machine needles that's marked for leather. I'm like, you know, it would have been nice for somebody to mention that somewhere in this class that this might be useful. Now, maybe she never has thread break. I don't know. <laughs> but I ended up um, deciding then, okay, well, I guess Friday afternoon, I'll just run to Joanne's and buy these needles. And then when I come home on Sunday, um, you know, maybe I can do the vinyl, which I may still do this afternoon. So that was that, you know, an hour and some odd work, probably an hour and a half all in, and I got one seam <laughs> of one pocket. And I've got one, two, two, four, I've got 10 of these things to do. 
So I've got 20 seams all in. I got one done. Um, and that's all the, you know, the folding and all that kind of stuff. So this is going to take me a while to just get the stupid vinyl pockets ready to be sewn onto the pocket pages. Um, God, this is just, oh, anyway, I'm sure I'll love it when I'm done. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was that. And um, then my husband and I had to vacate the house over the weekend because my daughter, who's still at school, was coming back this weekend with a couple of friends to attend a local um, anime conference at, held by a, one of our colleges here in town, um, Toracon. And she had asked if, if they chipped in for us to have a hotel room, you know, would we mind just leaving <laughs> for the weekend? Originally, I think there were going to be six of them coming. And so she knew we just probably wouldn't want to be around with six young adults in our house. And, you know, we trust her. We're fine with that. We know they're not going to be throwing keggers or anything. So, um, you know, we are like, that's fine. We'll, we'll go away for the weekend. Now they, they did leave us some money. You know, you wouldn't even have been able to stay at a red roof for the amount of money they left us, but that's okay. We're good. You know? Um, so we went, we just stayed in town. We just got a hotel, um, in town and we went out to a nice dinner Friday night. We had a memorial service, um, to attend on, Saturday morning and then we decided we kind of debated back and forth what we wanted to do on Saturday afternoon and decided this was one of the few weekends that we were actually both home and didn't have a bunch of other stuff scheduled so we really needed to take care of some shopping. Uh, my, when my son moved out two years ago he took the bed in his bedroom with him so that room's been well I can't say empty because my husband's been using it as his uh, home office but we needed a bed in there again. So we finally went out, we decided, okay, we'll just go out and we'll buy a bed. Um, and then as we were talking about where we would go to buy this bed, my husband said, well, you know, I could probably really use a couple of shirts and he always does a lot better shopping for clothes when I'm with him. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's go to the mall first and then we'll go to a furniture store near there. So we went to the mall first and had lunch and stuff. We probably took about an hour and a half, two hours all in for that and then um and for the shopping and yes we got them four new shirts it was very exciting and then we decided to go <laughs> for the to buy the bed it took us about 10 minutes to pick out the bed that was <laughs> it was like wow we just spent about 10 minutes shopping for a bed and it took us an hour and a half to find you four shirts so what's wrong with <laughs> this picture but it was easy because it's just a guest room bed it's not like you know people are going to be using the mattresses all the time so we just got a decent one that would work fine and we got a headboard and a frame, you know, very simple, fast um, proposition. The um, salesperson, though, gave us his card because, of course, as we're talking about buying this bed, then we're talking about the fact that our daughter will probably be moving out within the next year and probably taking her bed with her. So we're probably going to have to replace that one. And our mattresses, by the way, are 12 years old. So we're probably going to have to be replacing those soon. And so he's starting to see, you know, yeah, these guys could be like permanent clients for the next two, three years. Um, so that was good. We got that taken care of. And then we decided... Because, um, again, my husband is so rarely in the mood to shop, and I can't say he was in the mood to shop, but he was willing to, that we have been using um, temporary coffee tables in our family room since the day we moved in this house, which was 10 years ago. So we have a TV table. That's one of them. And then the other one is a really beat-up old... Um, it, it kind of functioned as a nightstand in one of our kids' rooms when they were little, uh, that's on the other side of the, the couch and it works over there because it's largely invisible to the rest of the room. Most people can't really see it. Um, 
but we really, you know, we've been wanting to get end tables for a long time. So we decided, well, okay, we'll go look for those. And we did end up finding end tables and a, a coffee table for our family room. So those are getting delivered on Wednesday too. Everything's getting delivered on Wednesday. Um, little less sure about the coffee table. It's one of these things where we're really going to have to see it in the space to decide for sure if it's going to work. Um, so there is a possibility they'll deliver it and get it set up. And a week later, we'll decide now this really, this isn't working for us. But I think it'll be good. I, I li We liked it in the store. It's just a matter of whether it works in our house. So by the time all of that got done, um, we we had gotten tickets to go see a show Saturday night. So we had to come back. We just ate dinner in the hotel and changed clothes and went to the show. Um, the show was the traveling, uh, the touring company for the Broadway show and Anything Goes. And it had gotten, Anything Goes as a show has gotten a lot of um, recognition on Broadway. We were not impressed and, and we love shows and we, um, we really have a, a lot of appreciation for the style of show this was trying to be. It, it just, it fell flat. We really didn't enjoy it. And it was, it was disappointing. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like we were ready to walk out and demand our money back. It was just, you know, we were both just kind of eh, bored. <laughs> I hate to say. And, and normally, like I said, we love going to shows. We go to a lot of plays. We go to Philharmonic all the time. We have been to these kinds of Broadway style shows and we've had touring companies. Um, we saw the Book of Mormon came through as a touring company. Excellent show. Um, Lion King Touring Company came through. Excellent show. Jesus Christ Superstar years ago came through as a touring company. Excellent show. This one just was just kind of flat. Um, and so that was disappointing. It was nice to have something different to do on an evening, but it was disappointing that we didn't enjoy it more. Um, and then, so this morning we just, you know, got up, had breakfast and, and came home. Um, I immediately had to go grocery shopping because it's been, what, about three weeks <laughs> since I had a solid shopping trip in. And then I spent the rest of my day here at home organizing. So let me, um, this is time now for me to get into the content of this episode where I'm going to be talking about organizing. Um, so here's the thing. I talked in my last episode about the fact that I've been accepted into this doctoral study program and I have found that I'm already um, pre-stressing a little bit <laughs> about how I'm going to manage to get it all done. And I was saying to my husband, I, I keep trying to remind myself of the um, proverb that, you know, why borrow from tomorrow's stresses? Why borrow tomorrow's troubles? You have enough troubles for today. You know, it's like, why do I keep stressing about September when I probably have enough going on in April <laughs> to stress about? I need to just do what I need to do to settle myself down. And um, and it's not just the, the doctoral studies. It's, you know, that's a, a big looming piece of it. But I've just got a lot going on in September. I've got two back-to-back -back speaking engagements and my brother-in-law's wedding the weekend after. So three weeks in a row. And I've got a week-long event right in between um, the last speaking engagement and my brother's wedding. And I know people are going to be in town. I mean, it's just, it's going to be kind of zooey. So I've been thinking through what are the things I know I could do now to kind of do myself a favor for then <laughs> to try to to alleviate as much as the unnecessary stress as possible and so um what i ended up when i was driving up to my daughter's school on saturday i was listening to um the book riot podcast and they got talking about the um the getting things done book and the getting things done system and they were both raving about it. Both of the podcasters were raving about how helpful it had been for them. And, and 
I was kind of thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm already pretty organized. I went through a period about 15 years ago where I read a lot of those kinds of books and I had set up some good systems and stuff. I don't really use anybody's full-on system, but just, you know, how I've incorporated little things over the years. And, and actually, you know, in a lot of ways, I am very organized and particularly in my work life um, because I had a couple of bad experiences, uh, both basically when my mother passed away, um, because of being in in the hospital with with her and then you know the grief for several weeks afterwards i have discovered that my reaction to grief is total amnesia um that I, the same thing happened when my father passed away a few years before that that when i'm in stress i'm doing stuff i just don't retain anything and so when i start coming out of that more immediate grief when i start kind of returning back into more normal modes of being i can't remember anything i did nor can I remember anything that happened before that. You know, it's just, it's gone, just totally gone. And so what I have, what I realized after my mom passed away, when it came to my work life, I remember talking with my supervisor during one of my, my uh, year evaluation, um, annual performance review. I said, I need to figure out some sort of systems that will allow me to leave myself breadcrumbs <laughs> so that if something like that ever happens again, that I've already set up for myself um, certain systems that I won't have to do quite amount the same amount of recovery of just basic knowledge and tasks after the fact. And so I've gotten very good at that. Um, but where it, you know, there's still things that slip through the cracks at work, and then there's my my personal life. <laughs> oh, it's a shambles. <laughs> Kidding, it's not really a shambles, but what you know it's the the classic okay we decide we need to get x fixed in the house and i'm supposed to look up on angie's list who am i supposed to call da, 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 da. and it just it can take me weeks to get around to, to doing it and it's partly because i never remember to do it when i'm in the place where i can actually do it you know it's the you remember you're supposed to be making a phone call while you're driving you remember you're supposed to be making a phone call at 11 o'clock at night when you can't call the person you know that kind of thing so how can i do better about capturing those kinds of things. And so after listening to them talking about this Getting Things Done book, I thought, well, okay. Um, they had talked specifically about how good the audiobook was. I thought, okay, I've got a long drive in front of me <laughs> these next couple of days. Let me um, go ahead and, and buy the audiobook. And so I listened to the audiobook Getting Things Done um, my whole trip from New York to Vermont on Sunday. And then um, it, uh, it's only like seven hours, I think. So I only had another hour, uh, two hours to listen on my way home. Um, so I finished it well before I got home. And the first half of the book, as I'm listening to it, I was thinking, well, this may not be very helpful for me because I'm already doing a lot of this kind of thing. You know, not his entire system. And I don't, I wouldn't do his entire system. It's He's much more paper-based than I am, although he does talk a lot about digital tools. He, he says, you know, not everybody is paper-based. Here's what I find works for me. But here are the ways you can accomplish the same thing digitally without the paper. Um, but even so, I, you know, I was thinking, well, I kind of already do a lot of that. But as I'm still listening, you know, and as we're getting deeper and deeper into it, I'm, I'm, I am starting to think, okay, well, there is this one thing I could probably get a better system for. And, oh, yeah, there's this other thing. Yeah, he makes a good point about that. I could probably get a better system for that. And then I started thinking about what systems I could use Um and it, this kind of combined with, I had already started doing a little research into, are there software programs and things that are particularly useful for people who are working on theses? Because, 
theses, T-H-E-S-E-S. -E I know that sounds like F-E-C-E-S. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but when you're working on a doctoral thesis, because you've got all sorts of random research stuff that you're just, you cast a wide net first and then you narrow it in. So how do I, you know, keep track of all of that stuff? And so as I'm listening to the book and I'm listening and I'm thinking through and he's he's mentioning some specific organizational tools, but he really doesn't do much of that, which I found myself appreciating after the fact when I went on his website because he actually sells a lot of tools, but you would never know it from the book. And I really appreciated that it was I never felt like I was getting marketed to. I just felt like this was a system that he was talking about. Um, so what I did start thinking about was what are the tools I already use and could I be using them more effectively? And I have, I use Outlook and OneNote, which is a, a Microsoft Office product. Outlook, of course, is the email and task list and all that kind of stuff. OneNote is set up like a, a notebook. It's similar to Evernote. Um, I don't use Evernote because I use OneNote. I have actually read some reviews of people who use both who actually like OneNote more, but there's probably other people who like Evernote more. So you've just got to look at which one works best for what you want to do. Um, for me, OneNote wins hands down because it intersects with Outlook. Um, there's a lot of direct um, ways I can send emails from Outlook directly into OneNote and save them forever, you know, and file them that way. Um, I can send tasks from OneNote if I'm sitting and taking notes in OneNote during a meeting and I leave myself a reminder, okay, we just talked about this, Sandy, you've got to do that. I can immediately create it as a task and it sends it straight to Outlook the next time I sync. So that's why I use those two um, in tandem. And after um, getting home and after having read the Getting Things Done book, I was online, I decided to go ahead and buy his book because as you're listening to audiobooks, you get some great ideas and then you can't do anything about them. And it's not like I want to go back and re-listen to an entire hour worth of the book to try to find that one sentence I really wanted. I wanted to be able to highlight it. Um, so I have now bought the book on Kindle, I'm getting things done and I'm going back to the beginning and I'm starting to reread it and highlighting, you know, the pieces that I want to remember. Um, the main thing he talks about in getting things done that speaks to what I had realized was kind of falling through the cracks in my current organization is he talks about what he calls the inbox. And he does actually talk about a physical inbox where you have on your desk and you just pile everything. When you first start to get yourself organized, you go through all your files, all your papers, all the stuff you've got stacked all over your office. You stack it all in the inbox so that you know everything you're possibly going to have to deal with. And he also talks about doing, I think he calls it a brain sweep with the same thing where you just sit in every single thing that's on your mind, every single random, you know, gee, I need to take the cat to the vet or, oh yeah, that's right. I need to call a landscaper or, you know, whatever, all those random thoughts that come to mind, you write them all down and then you put those in your inbox. And then from your inbox, you then process each item and you figure out what you need to do with it. Um, this is all sounding very overwhelming as I'm describing it, and it can be when it first starts, but he really breaks it down and it makes a lot of sense when he talks about it. What I realized my biggest issue is, is how to capture those random thoughts that come when you're driving. Oh yeah, I need to remember to do X. And how do I keep track of those things so that the next time I'm actually sitting next to my phone during the daytime, I can remind myself, oh, I was supposed to call, you know, make an oil change appointment. Um, so I have then since Friday, since I, I got home or Thursday, since I got home, I've really been working with some tools I already have. So, um, 
mostly life topics. If you remember, I think I talked about life topics a year ago, January, because I think that's when I first started using it. And it's an app um, on, I think it's pretty much on any smartphone platform. I use it on my iPhone. Uh, life topics, it's a calendarizing task um, tracking, you know, it's it's basically what Outlook is, but it's not Outlook, it's, it's life topics. What I really like about it is, uh, and what I've been using it very consistently for over the last year, is you can set up a project with a checklist of tasks. And so each one of my Craftsy classes becomes a project, and then each lesson in that Craftsy class is a task. And certain things like with the Seuss Bargo embroidery class, I have lesson one, um, you know, watch, lesson one just means watch lesson one and then do the stitches from lesson one is the next task. And then lesson two, do the stitches from lesson two, lesson three, do the stitches. And as I do each one of those, I just check it off on my checklist. And all that does is it keeps it in front of me and keeps me accountable for working my way through those. Um, And I've also done it hit and miss, and I, I need to pick this back up again. I had done it with several of my UFOs where I had gone through each one of my UFOs, I had created a project for that UFO and then listed what steps do I actually need to do to finish this UFO? Because too often, you know, I've got a pile of UFOs over there. I look at them and say, need to finish UFO. Well, that might mean for one UFO, that might just mean put the binding on. For another UFO, it might mean actually finish piecing it (laughs) and then go all through, you know, each UFO is in a different stage. And so listing it out that way helps me break down to see okay, if I really don't have that much left to do on this one, then I can knock that one out pretty quick. Let me, you know, put that back up to the front of the pile. Um, it's just a much better way of tracking and organizing. So after listening to Getting Things Done, and now as I'm kind of going back through and reading it, I am going back to the sort of the inbox. And in I also discovered Life Topics has something called a quick inbox where I can just hit a button and very quickly record that random thought that comes to me and it just saves it. And then next time I sit down with life topics, I can go through everything that's in that quick inbox and process it and say, okay, well, this is something that needs to go on my calendar. This is something that needs to go on my phone list, that kind of thing. Um, So I would suggest if you are looking for ways to get yourself kind of reorganized or organized, maybe you've never been organized. (laughs) Maybe you're somebody who's kind of sort of organized. You'd like to be more organized. I would suggest buying the Getting Things Done book. I'm not sure. I mean, like I said, I'm not doing his whole system because I've already got most of a system that works well for me. I'm just taking some of his um, suggestions and principles and putting them into the system I've already got. Um, I was talking with on Twitter with someone who has also read the book and, and really uses at least a fair amount of it. And she also got several, um, she invited several people that work for her to also read it so that they could all work together in tandem on trying to be more organized together. Um, It really, and it's a whole system. Like I said, there's a website. (laughs) You can call consultants and you can buy his products. He does have some organizers, some calendars, that kind of thing with the Getting Things Done brand on them, but he doesn't push them at all, which I, you know, I'm really impressed by that. So that is a good book. Again, I'm not using the whole system. I'm not turning into a disciple of, I think his name is David Allen, uh, but he makes some very good points. And mostly he's very, um, very realistic, very realistic about it. And he makes some excellent points about how this relates to current research into how our brains work, (laughs) which, which made a lot of sense to me. 
that the more of this stuff we just try to keep in our brain, the more tired we are because our brain is constantly working on them even when we're not conscious of it. So that, gee, I need to get in for an oil change thing is, is taking part of your mental energy, even if it's not really in the forefront of your mind, until you write it down. Once you write it down and put it in your task list or your calendar or something, then your brain gets rid of it and it's not worrying about it anymore. You know, it's, it is it is true. When I write something down, I stop stressing about whether or not I'm going to get it done. Um, so anyway, that's, that's getting things done. The other book I actually read about a year ago that made a huge difference to me. And, and this one, I will say, made a tremendous, had a tremendous impact on the way I was looking at my calendar and my task list and stuff. And that book is called The Power of Full Engagement. Don't remember who the authors are. I will try to, I will link it in the show notes, The Power of Full Engagement. And in that one, the main premise is to stop looking at your calendar as slots of time and looking at it instead as slots of energy. And it, it's quite possible I talked about that book last fall when I read it a year ago fall um, because it really did have a huge impact on me. I am much more careful of my energy now. I got a lot better at saying no. Um, well, I had already learned to say no, but I felt really guilty about it. And reading that book helped me release the guilt because I was like, no, you know, even though I may have an evening free doesn't mean I have to fill it up with something because I've got to have my energy to do my job the next day. You know, that kind of, it just helped me shift how I was thinking. So if you're stressed out, if you're looking at trying to get everything done, first, I would recommend The Power of Full Engagement because it, it really reshifts your thinking about life. And then... <laughs> I would recommend getting things done. I, th I think he's got a lot of good points to make whether or not you do his whole system. Um, there, there's just some really good information in there. So to that end, uh, like I said, I did a lot of reorganizing this weekend. I worked on my calendar some. I worked on my task list some. I've been working on, um, again, relearning my uh, relearning life topics. I had learned how to do what I was doing but there's a lot to it that I had never used, a lot of features I hadn't used before, so I'm, I'm working on trying to learn how to really leverage that, um, especially going into my demon once I start getting the syllabi and having to work out my reading schedules and all that kind of stuff. How can I really use life topics to help me stay on top of that? Um, and a little bit more about tricks for using Outlook and OneNote. Maybe there's better ways I could be doing that even than I am now, you know, that sort of thing. The other thing I realized was kind of weighing on me um, was my sewing room had gotten, it's, it's again, it's 90% organized, well, 80% <laughs> organized, but it had slipped down to maybe 65 to 70% organized, mostly with all of the felted wool spinning, roving kinds of stuff that's come into my life in the last year, um, just a lot of bags crammed places. And that wears me down. It actually depletes my energy to be working in a cluttered space drives me crazy um, I hate having to move stuff out of the way to make room to work I hate having to lift up piles of stuff to try to find other stuff it just and visually visual clutter just it just depresses my system um, I don't mind being messy in the middle of a project but I don't like having 15 projects around me while I'm trying to work on one so I decided once again, I had to kind of prioritize reorganizing all of that stuff. And most of that had to do with buying a lot of bins again. Um, I don't know what happened to my bins. I feel like I used to have a lot more bins than I, 
I had. Uh, so I had I, I like to have project bins and I like my projects bins to be clear. I like to be able to see what's in the bin. I still label the bins um, and I use my label machine, which meant I had to buy some more label paper because I had been out of that um, so that visually it all looks the same when I look at it on the shelf. It's just a neatly typed label. It's not my handwriting. Um, again, that's part of the visual clutter thing, but I like to have each project in its own bin so that I can grab and go pretty quickly if I'm working on that one project. Plus, I'm able to just then keep all the scraps and everything for that project in that same bin until I'm done with the project. And then it kind of becomes part of my celebration of, hey, I finished this project. I clean out the bin, empty out the bin, pull the label off the bin, and then put the empty bin back under, you know, on the floor under my shelves. And that's the, the true ending of that project is when everything's cleaned up and put away. Um, Boy, I'm making myself sound very uh, rigid, and I'm really not, <laughs> but this is just, I work happily, more happily, um, if things are neat and organized in my workspace. So now I have to say, I bought a lot of bins. <laughs> uh, Joann's, by the way, having a 50% off sale on their bins, which was helpful. And then I went to Walmart and bought some, and I went to Target and bought some, because I was looking for various sizes. And I thought I had bought plenty enough bins and I was actually kind of worried I'd have an empty bin or two left over and <laughs> as it was I could still use three or four bins um, mostly the wool roving because um, it's puffy <laughs> it takes up a lot of darn space in a bin but now I have all of the needle felting stuff that I had inherited from Vicky is now mixed in with my needle felting stuff I already owned in one single bin um, rather than a bin in like three bags and then um, a lot of my roving I separated out by type. You know, there's a bin for wool, there's a bin for alpaca, there's a, pin, a bin for dyed roving versus undyed roving. I've got all of my um, drop spindles and the, the uh, swift and all of that in one bin, um, all neatly labeled. So again, when I get to the point of using them, I should be able to just grab a bin and use that bin rather than having to burrow through all of them. But I still have three big bags full of rovings that don't have a home. Um, so right now they are stuffed. I was able to clean off some shelves in doing all of this. So now the bags are stuffed back on the shelf. So at least they're kind of out of the way, <laughs> but there's there's still work to be done there. Um, so that's, that's what I've been working on. I feel much more relaxed now about my sewing area that I was able to get some of that stuff out from underfoot and put in my bins. Um, as you will have noticed, if you follow my blog, I am doing some things about organizing on my blog, which actually started before I really decided this was something I needed to do. Um, so apparently my brain is working in one direction even before I knew it was. <laughs> that, yeah, you really need to kind of pull it together again. Um, I think over the next few weeks, I'm gonna try to, you know, some of my bookshelves have gotten kind of stacked up in my office slash sewing room. So what I might do is every weekend just say, okay, this weekend I'm going to take care of this one bookshelf or this one shelf and not really try to spend, you know, do the whole set of shelves all at once, but just one shelf at a time um, where I can do it 20 minutes, knock it out, it's done, move on. Um, so that'll be good. But anyway, in my Monday, I'm sorry, I lost track. <laughs> I was looking at one of the shelves saying, yeah, I really need to clean that one off. So I kind of lost track of what I was saying there. Um, so my Monday musings are to a degree about just some organizational things, sort of. And I'm kind of tracking myself now on how I'm doing that. So you'll, you'll be hearing more about that as I go. 
And you know, if you've got questions or anything, let me know. Or uh, if you've got ideas, let me know those too. Um, although each of us, you know, different things are going to work for each of us. I did buy myself a whiteboard. Again, he talked about that in Getting Things Done in the book. He talks about whiteboards. I know several quilters who use whiteboards. I've never really been much of a whiteboard person, so I bought a smallish one to put next to my cutting table to see if it works for me. But if I don't end up using it much, I'll, I'll ditch it. I'll take, I'll take it back off the wall because I'm not big into having stuff hanging around that I'm not using either. Um, but I'm going to see whether I can replace my former post-it note system where I would put each task on a post-it note and slap it on the side of the cutting table which works, but it also means the post-it notes sometimes get in the way of what I'm trying to do. So trying to keep it up off the cutting table and instead write it on a whiteboard might work for me. I'm not sure. Unfortunately for me, whiteboards are far too easy to just not see. Um, I'm going to have to train myself to use it. Uh, so boy, I've talked almost an hour and haven't even gotten to listener comments again. And I really wanted to make sure I did that. What I did was, um, well, let me make sure I'm no, actually, I had a little more I wanted to say <laughs> about organizing. I'm sorry. Okay, in terms of quilting specifically, um, I had somebody talk to me or email me about, you know, the one of the blog posts I had in terms of being organized in my quilting life. And, and actually, her comment to me was exactly the way that I feel. Because I have to be so scrupulously organized in my work and I have to do everything to a deadline and I've got all these projects I have to break down into tasks and I have to stay on top of them. I tend not to want my quilting life to be like that. I really want to be more free and able to just kind of, you know, do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. The problem is right now, I've especially never been good on the 10 minutes a day thing because then it just starts feeling like homework. Oh, I got to put in my 10 minutes rather than feeling good about the productivity, that just becomes one more guilt thing. Oh, I didn't get my 10 minutes in today. I'm a bad person. You know, <laughs> that kind of, I know that's not the way you're supposed to look at it, but that's where my head goes. You know, just I start feeling like it's an obligation to get my 10 minutes in and then I feel guilty if I don't. So I just, I tried it once or twice. I've bagged it. I know that doesn't work for me. Um, but what I have realized is right now for this period of time, my UFOs are getting me down. And if I don't take care of them, I'm not going to feel good about doing projects on a whim. Um, so that was part of my modus operandi in buying bins for some of these projects that are, I can't even call them UFOs yet. I have the fabrics collected, but I haven't, my, <laughs> okay, my definition of UFO, I have to have already cut into the fabric. It can't just be something that's in planning stages. Um, because then it's just, a stack of fabric and it can just as be easily be a stack of fabric used for something else. Once I have cut into the fabric, then it becomes a UFO because then it's supposed to be whatever it was intended to be. Um, I have quite a stack of UFOs now and I'm not normally in that position. Um, I normally don't have a ton of UFOs at any one time. I have somehow really gotten behind the eight ball in the last six months. <laughs> I've got, I've just got a lot of UFOs and until I can get those taken care of. And that either means finished or gotten rid of one or the other. Um, I'm not feeling like I have to do every one of my UFOs. And in fact, I've already got two, one I'd already given away and one is sitting in my bag to give away at my next guild meeting for whoever wants it. Um, they're just things that no longer interest me. So the, the ones that are still on my shelves are ones that, yeah, I still want to finish either. I really love the project and I really want to see it done 
or it's something that I know, well, I may not love this when it's done, but it'll give me a good chance to practice my machine quilting or whatever. Um, until I get those done, I'm not going to feel free to just do stuff on a whim again. So I'm trying to strike a balance between getting back, <laughs> you know, buckling down again on my UFOs and really trying to finish them off um, versus still doing newer projects that are interesting me. So I do still have, you know, some stuff I'm trying to finish um, as well as some new stuff. I, but it, really right now I've just got to get the stinking bag done, but <laughs> I won't talk about that anymore. Um, so that's that's where my premise is. I'm For any of you who are new listeners, no, I am not somebody that's going to start saying, well, you really need to do X, Y, and Z, and you really need to finish off your UFOs for shame for having them because I got them. And the only reason I'm getting myself really buckling down on finishing them up is because mentally I know the way my brain works. And the way my brain works is loose ends make me uncomfortable. I like to tie up my loose ends. And until a loose end is tied up, it is taking mental energy. So for me to have a fully clear mind for working on some of these art quilts I want to get to, I've got to tie up some of the loose ends of the UFOs that are sitting on my shelf. So that's why I'm in this mode right now. I don't usually live in this mode. <laughs> I don't normally have put myself, I haven't normally put myself in the position to have to live in this mode, but I'm there and you know, you make your bed, you lie in it, you deal with it, you move on. <laughs> that's what I'm doing right now. Um, you know, and it's even down to a little thing like uh, my past, a whole bunch of podcasts piled up in my downcast app because I just hadn't been in a position to listen to a lot of podcasts lately. So I was way far behind in a bunch of podcasts. And even that was kind of making me feel guilty and feeling like a burden, like, oh, geez, I've really got to, you know, sit in my sewing room for eight hours just to knock out some of these podcasts. So I finally just deleted a bunch of old episodes and I'm kind of starting fresh from <laughs> from here on. And so any of you that I normally listen to, if I've missed your last vibe, I'm sorry. You know, I just, I can't, I can't keep doing that to myself. So, um, and it's not just Quilty Podcasts, it's it's all of them. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. So part of me is also thinking I need to just release some podcasts too, because some of them are really good, but I don't have that much time. Um, so that's, you know, I'm just releasing myself of that guilt as well. Um, you know, I'm never going to be 100% organized. None of us ever are. But the more I can do now <laughs> to set myself up for success and get in certain habits now, the less I'll have to stress over later. I'm still going to be stressed next September. I, I just know. I mean, there's, there's no way around it because I'm going to have competing schedules and I'm just going to have to get through that. But if I can have these systems in place, I'm not adding to my own stress unnecessarily. <laughs> so that's my goal. Um, all right, let me let me do some listener feedback now. Um, what I ended up doing was because it's been a couple of weeks since I've done any listener feedback, I actually divided the comments I had gotten between those that were left about podcasts and those that were left about blogs. And so this week I'm going to... Um, do the listener feedback on those that have been uh, left for podcast episodes. Um, so I want to say thank you to Susan who emailed me about uh, the demon and she and I actually had some, oh yes. And I do need to say, yes, it is demon D period M I N period. And yes, everybody thinks you're saying demon and that's the running joke. Oh, demons. Um, but notice when you say demon, the, the accent is on the D 
And when you say de min, the accent is on the min. <laughs> so yes, it is an unfortunate abbreviation, but there it is. Um, but anyway, so uh, Susan and I had some great emails back and forth because she actually did some work in a similar topic. And so she shared with me some of her syllabi and reading lists and such. So that was great. Thank you, Susan. Um, Thank you to, so much to Sherry for your comment on episode 179. She sent me this really wonderfully long email. Um, and she said about my fabric stash, she purged a lot of stuff from her studio this spring. She said, I had so many things that I thought I should keep just in case. I finally went through my stash and got rid of fabrics that had no meaning to me. Most of these were donated fabrics that because they were free, I felt I had to keep them. No, I do not. Ha ha ha. Uh, she said she got rid of fabrics that didn't have the hands that she liked working with, too coarse, too thin. Um, she keeps a plastic baggie for leftover scraps. Once it's filled, she takes it to Guild. Um, her baggie is almost always taken. She uses larger fabric pieces for backings or piece backings. Uh, the things that are nice quality, but she just doesn't feel the love for anymore. Uh, that way, my charity quilts are of good quality, too, which, Sherry, I'm big on that myself, so thank you for that. Um, she says, often I need to leave a project that I'm bored with or have to think too hard about and do a quick project. I use up fabrics that don't thrill me to make charity quilts, pillowcases, etc. Um, that, that way I'm using quality fabric for charity. I get a sewing fix and sewing therapy that pleases me and I get the, gain the bonus sense of accomplishment. And yeah, Sherry, that's, that's part of why I've never gotten rid of my entire stash is because I do like the idea that I could periodically throw together a donation quilt, you know, quickly and easily and enjoy it. And it's pretty, and I'm using good quality stash fabric, um, but it's not stash fabric. I feel the need to have present in my home the rest of my life, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, so anyway, I, I really appreciate that, um, Sherry. And uh, it was a great email. Uh, and thank you for the permission to get rid of stash. That's always helpful. Uh, thank you to Deborah, who also uh, said woohoo about my D-min, even if it means less podcasts for us. And she hopes that I will include updates of my studies whenever I can squeeze in a podcast. So anytime I have more anything more interesting to say than, yep, been doing a lot of reading. Yep, been doing a lot of writing. <laughs> I, will, I will certainly share. Um, thank you to Carrie for your best wishes for my fi five-year podcast anniversary. Um, she says, the product reviews are helpful. I recently bought Karen K. Buckley scissors. They are the best. And yeah, I've got the short pair of Karen K. Buckley. I know she does several sizes, but she really does do very good scissors. Uh, so if, if, especially for people who are doing applique for very small pieces, those Karen K. Buckley scissors that are the smaller, um, shorter blades are excellent. They really grip and cut the fabric well. Um, thank you to Maureen. Uh, who left an episode, uh, who left an episode, who left a comment on episode 177, which I took another class, which was back in the beginning of March. She said, hi, Sandy, regarding pinning your applique, I applique a lot on cotton and wool. Good trick is to use short, fine pins and pin from the backside. Since I applique from the front, my thread and pins never meet or snag. That's an excellent idea, Maureen. I will certainly keep that in mind because I do plan on continuing to do more felted wool applique with embroidery. Um, you know, the Sue Spargo project style thing. I really enjoyed doing that. Um, it's really wonderful stitching through felted wool. I love the way that works. <laughs> and so I will keep doing that. So I will try to remember to do the trick of using, um, I do have applique pins. Uh, so just pinning from the back is a, is a great idea. So I will do that. Thank you, Maureen. Um, thank you to Ms. Lottie, 
who left an episode, a, a comment on episode 177. She also hates mushrooms. Thank you. Um, thank you to Jackie for your ep uh, comment on episode 178, in which I take another another class, which was also early March. And she says, while I feel as though I have a lot of fabric in my stash, it's mostly fat quarters. Not having more yardage feels limiting to me, um, but my mind is in a different direction. So yeah, Jackie does a lot of art quilts, so it makes sense that she wouldn't have a lot of yardage. She would have more fat quarters. And I think that's kind of where I'm at too, is when I do my hand dyeing, I rarely dye it in half yards or yards, I typically do fat quarters because that's mostly what I'm doing is smaller projects that don't need a lot of yardage. Um, so thank you, Jackie, for your comment. Thank you to Lindy who listened to episode 179 in which I descend to the basement, which was the middle of March. Um, and she does, um, she wants to apologize for not commenting more often. That's okay. I'll forgive you this once, but don't let it happen again. Um, and she was glad I was able to get rid of my scraps and she likes fusible applique way better um, even though she does hand quilt she doesn't have the patience to do needle turn applique so <laughs> thank you Lindy um, I may I may still try to do a little bit of needle turn applique I don't know I'm not going to kill myself over it um, thank you to Quilt and Jenny who left a comment on episode 179 in which I descend to the basement and she says I am so with you on the bag making it had better be worth it jury is still out uh, thank you to Sarah who uh, helped post one of my tests when I was testing my comments um, on episode 179. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you to Brenda um, who said she was having difficulty hearing the podcast, but it sounds great now. Thank you. Um, and thank you for your feedback. Thank you. Uh, oh, sorry. That's again, Jackie. And she said, oh, this is Jackie again. Surprised you're making bags, especially fussy ones. Um, I watched the class and thought that I'd enjoy the bags and I would be pleased once completed, but couldn't bring myself to do the work or spring for the expense. Can't wait to see yours. Well, you're, you're going to be waiting for a while because this puppy is taking a long time. Um, thank you to Lauren who wanted to let me know about a new source for online classes, which is www.curious.com. Um, and it's a monthly fee and it gives you access to everything. She says they have classes in most of the areas that Craftsy does, but also covers additional areas of interest as well, like music. So um, thank you. I have not had a chance to look at that yet, but I will make sure um, I will put it in my life topics to make sure I check it out. So thank you, Lauren. Thank you to Very Lazy Daisy. Um, also commenting on episode 179 is intrigued to see what I do with my friend's UFO. Um, that's the one that I had talked about my friend Vicki who passed away, um, are my guild friend, and I now have her UFO, which is a very intricate needle turn applique flower. I can't wait to see what I do with it either. That one's not even being counted as a UFO not yet because not mine. Um, thank you to... Why? I'm sorry, hang on, we froze just a minute. Okay, sorry, my email froze. Um, Thank you to Gretchen who left a comment on the same episode uh, and she just wanted to let me know that the, the podcast sounded great to these old ears. I'll stop it. Um, so thank you for your comment. Thank you to Denise who also copied um, and wanted me to have a great vacation. So thank you. Thank you to Ozzy Pip. Um, I've been enjoying Ozzy Pip lately has been doing a a letter a day. I can't remember what the name of it is, but she's been posting a blog post every single day based on uh, the next letter of the alphabet. It's part of something she's doing as part of this online community. And it's really been fun to read. So thank you, Ozzy Pip. Uh, thank you to Noni for your episode on, uh, so your comment on episode 179. And she says, 
I've tried several of the Cindy England techniques and didn't have a lot of excess, success or fun. In part, I do not like fiddly bits and her methods have a lot of fussing. Um, and she says in this comment that she plans to do a blog post on a recent project she had made using Cindy England's post, uh, book. She has since actually done that blog post and I did read it. Um, and it is, it's true, it's, it's a fussier uh, type of uh, method technique. Um, Noni, I really appreciated your blog post. I liked reading that and it did help me kind of think through how I really want to approach <laughs> what I'm doing. Um, but Noni also gives a couple of other uh, recommendations in her comments. So if you want to read about all of those, go back to my episode 179 and look for Noni's comment. Um, and Noni also left a comment for Donna <laughs> on the same thing about another podcast for her to listen to. Um, Thank you to Tammy for giving me some feedback on listening. And again, um, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. And yes, she's talking about uh, when she gets reminder chimes, sometimes the volumes get messed up on her podcast. So yeah, thank you, Tommy. Tammy. Uh, thank you to AJ Dub, Amy, who also gave me feedback um, on comments. Most people have been able to comment pretty easily now. So I think I'm not gonna worry about that so much anymore. And also um, thank you to Colleen who also did the same. She said she used to have a problem posting, but whatever they did about a year ago fixed it for me. So people are in general more able to comment on my podcast. Um, and thank you to Stuart um, who commented on the same episode and also had emailed me and, and was very helpful in helping me try to figure out what was actually going on with volume. Um, thank you to Donna. She's another newish newish listener who has just been listening since January and has been working her way back through old episodes. <laughs> and she's actually made it as far as last year. So welcome, Donna. Uh, she says, feels like I found a kindred spirit in you as I don't knit, hate crafty sewing projects, both dye and paint fabric and dabble in art quilts. I also have a demanding career and appreciate listening to someone that doesn't finish a bed size quilt a week. <laughs> and she's a blogger too. Um, Donna, you didn't leave me your blog address. So make sure you do that because I'd really be interested in following you. So you've got to leave another comment and give me your blog address. Um, so thank you so much, Donna, for your uh, comment. Can't wait to get to know what you do a little bit more. Um, thank you to Marianne, who also congratulates me on my acceptance to the D-Min. And she says, if you ever need a quilty reprieve while you're in Boston, she's willing to help. And then she says, I'm about 30 minutes north and would be willing to meet or deliver supplies as needed. And I just got this image of myself sending up a flare, quick, need supplies fast, and, and having all these quilters descending on the place where I'm going to be staying, you know, with fabric in hand. <laughs> um, thank you to Ms. Lottie also for congratulations on my um, D-Min. And she says, she, I kept her company on a road trip that she did yesterday, which I love the idea that I was driving through New Zealand. Someday I really want to get to Australia and New Zealand. I, I, I dream of that. Hopefully someday I'll be able to do that. Um, thank you to uh, Diane for your comment as well. And um, she talks about her own experience with her husband trying to get his PhD in, in um, higher ed administration when she was pregnant and trying to pull it off as a team effort. And she says, we even took two statistics classes together since he felt shaken on its math. So apparently she was tutoring her husband through statistics. Um, so anyway, she's going to be cheering me on every step of the way. And she is willing to help me tape, type my dissertation. <laughs> so thank you, Diane, for that. I appreciate it. Thank you also to Lindy for your, oh, this was back on when I was still testing out my new mic. So thank you to Lindy for your feedback. And thank you to Quilt and Jenny for your feedback. Um, 
Judy emailed me, and this is a while back, and I could swear I had responded to this on a previous podcast, so I'm sorry if I've already talked about this, but she also mentions uh, way back when I had talked about stabbing myself directly at the end of my finger with my needle when I was doing embroidery, and I had gotten a little drop of blood on the wool. And so she talks about um, that you can actually moisten it with your own saliva and the blood will come out. And I often joke, well, I'm not about to start licking my wool (laughs) on the the project because, boy, that just sounds nasty. Um, But it is, it's a tiny, tiny little speck. I'm not even sure I could find it anymore because it was just a little tiny drop of blood. And if I can still see it, I'll just embroider over it. Not a problem. Um, So, and Judy is interested in hearing about my trip to Burma. I I promise (laughs) I will get it done. Um, and thank you to Constance, who is also a new listener, very, very new listener as of the middle of March. Um, so welcome, Constance. And uh, she had talked about leaving links for an episode on my blog and that the, my blog no longer has the links to all the podcast postings. That is because when I changed from my former blog to the one I'm using now, I would have had to go back in and manually update the links on every single one of those episodes. And since it was three years worth of of podcasts, I just never took the time to do it. Um, So yeah, I'm sorry, those those links are just gone at this point. Um, I don't see myself having the time anytime in the near future to go back through and update each one of those um, former ones. And that's why I was really hesitant to try to switch back again. when I thought I was having problems with people leaving comments, it sounds to me like people are are able to leave comments now. So I'm not going to worry about changing my blog anytime soon because it takes a long time and I don't want to lose, you know, all of the links that I've got now. Um, Constance also asked if I could somehow have an index to all of my Crassy class reviews um, so that they could be found quickly and easily. And the easiest thing to do is if you look on the right-hand side of my um, blog, either the blog or the podcast page, I think it appears wherever you are on my blog, and you will see a uh, tag cloud, um, just a list of words. Um, Somewhere in there, I'm sure the word craftsy appears. (laughs) And so you can just click on that and it will give you all posts that have that in the title. The other thing you can do is just use the search bar, which is also on the right-hand side, maybe halfway down. There's a little search bar and you can just put in craftsy class and it'll, again, it'll bring up all of the blog posts that I've done um, using about crafty classes. Um, that's probably going to be the best way for me to do it because if I tried to index them, I've done like 40, <laughs> 40 of the things now probably. Uh, maybe not quite that many, but it would take a while for me to index them and then it would take up a lot of space in the sidebar. So um, I think that's probably not something I'm going to be doing anytime soon. So I hope you're able to find those reviews using either of those other two methods. Um, welcome aboard. I was really glad to hear from you. So that's all of the comments on episodes, and I know I've gone way over my usual length, and I apologize for that. I hope it's okay. Uh, Next week, I have no idea what I'll be talking about, but hopefully I will have... Oh, gosh, do you think I'll have finished this bag by then? (laughs) I better not jinx myself. Um, But I will certainly have done something. I will have done something. I swear to you that by next Sunday, and I will um, be able to talk about that, and then I will... Um, catch up with comments on my blog. Um, That will be next week's listener feedback. So uh, that is the end of this episode. Again, thank you for listening and um, do comment because I love getting the comments. 
You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, um, Flickr, all of those places. I'm sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. Um, also that on Craftsy, you can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group and show me pretty, pretty pictures of everything you're doing. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team, K-I-V-A, and do good all over the world. And you will find links for all of those things on my blog at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.